followers, this is your boy, Movie Maker Doug 55. I am honored and humbled, along with Andy McPhee, my coach and mentor, to present you, Robin Ross, who has an incredible story to share. Hey, Robin, how you doing? I'm good. How are you guys? Doing good. Yeah, great. Great. After our after our lengthy start, I mean, it'd be nice to show people, you know, um, our our bloopers. One day we will. <laughs> That's the best. It's funny. Um, yeah, welcome, Robin. Really good to see you after our last little meeting. I actually ended up getting COVID. Doug did as well from that I event. Heard Someone that. there had it. Yeah. I heard that. But you know, whatever. It's but thank here God you are. we. Yeah, we're good. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Yeah. So anyway, Andy, explain to everyone how we met Robin. Um, okay, so I met Robin and all these other terrifically wonderful, inspiring women at Women of Achievement Awards, which um, the CEO is uh, um, Melina, and I met her many years ago. And I'll let, I'll actually let Robin explain more about the pageant, um, but I was offered to be a judge there and I did it once and then she asked me again this year and, I, and then I invited Doug along and it's turned into another great uh, uh, meeting and networking of really cool people. So I think we've actually interviewed maybe uh, two or three people from the pageant with their sharing their amazing stories. But Robin, it's easier if you explain what the actual pageant is about. Yeah, Woman of Achievement is a pageant system uh, like no other, and it brings together women from literally all over the world who have achieved um, some sort of, in my opinion, greatness. And they are asked to compete and share their story. And their story is something, whether it's coming from being homeless or surviving cancer or writing a book or creating um, a, a true achievement of, of greatness. And so they are asked to participate in interview with a panel of judges. Andy was one of my judges to compete in platform, which where they share their platform of achievement and uh, as well as either personality wear or fitness wear. And then they also compete in evening gown and then they can do a talent and or a speech performance. And all of those uh, scores are brought together and then they choose their queens. And the nice thing also is the uh, divisions are divided by age as well. So a 20 year old does not have to compete against a 40, 45, 50 year old like myself. So it's very fair. The women become friends for life. It's not catty, it's not like a, a typical pageant, I hate to say that, but there are typical pageants where they treat you like if you're a pretty face, then you just automatically win. They don't care about your substance. And women of achievement is not like that. They want women of substance, of character, of substantiality, if that is the word, I just made it up, I don't care. Uh, and that's how I met Andy, he was one of my judges. So uh, that's women of achievement. Yeah, it's awesome. It really is a great, a great uh, event. And um, you know, just remarking on what you just said about, you know, <laughs> with these other pageants, um, yeah, a lot of it's based on, I think it's changing possibly a little bit now, you know, from the old style I hope, pageants. I hope so. Um, I think it's changing a tiny bit, but yeah, I like to make it really clear that 
you know, if people love those type of pageants, that's cool. You, yeah, there's, you, them, there's but this is this, for everyone. Yeah, and this, this is just um, this is just really inspiring to. What I loved about it is seeing women get up and make fun of themselves, like whether like they're singing and they know they're not the best singer, like me, I couldn't sing to save my life, or they are amazing singers or they put on little performances, they do whatever, but they're not, they're ashamedly up there. They're not, they're just no fear because what they've been through in life, this is just nothing. Yeah. You know, right. to, to share, you know, your creativity or whatever, it's just, um, it's just so inspiring to see women get up and just stand in front of everyone and share their um, their journey and, and bravely share it and the difference they're making for everybody. So I'll hand it back to Doug and he's going to, um, you know, ask some questions and we can hear about your journey, Robin. Yeah, Woman of Achievement was great. It's really great that, you know, uh, everybody there was able to, give so amazing speeches and even sing tremendously after <laughs> the hardships they went through. But you should believe that Andy is telling the truth when he says he can't sing because he keeps breaking the glasses in his house. Yeah. Now I, now I don't have glasses. All I got to do is drink coffee from, uh, and this is not a paid advertisement, but you know, that's how I drink now out of a paper cup. If I <laughs> shatter that, then there's something really going wrong. <laughs> that's bad. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, Robin, I must ask you, uh, what are you doing as far as your passions? Well, I, I got involved with, woman of achievement I didn't even start doing pageants until I was over 40 years old so I'm not a, a pageant girl I'm not a pageant person actually um and not that that's a bad thing I'm just saying for me that's my story I um I was diagnosed with stage three colon cancer when I was 40 and I had two babies at home toddlers at home and I was told that I would not survive that I should start making arrangements for basically for my funeral <laughs> And um, well, that was uh, 18 years ago. So I was not going. I just said, well, that's not gonna be me. And so I had friends that were involved in, in pageantry and I knew they had messages to share and, and stories to tell. And I decided that what better way for me to let people know that cancer, especially colon cancer is something that doesn't just happen to old men. It doesn't happen to people that, I mean, I was young and healthy, very healthy. And I thought, well, if I have a crown on my head, people will listen. I can get the word out. I can raise money. I can let people know I, I have something to say and they will listen because they always look, oh, look at that girl. Look, she has a crown on her head and wonder, wonder what she has to say. Let's go listen. And so that's how I got involved in pageantry was to raise money mm. for colon cancer. So yeah, that's well. story. So can I ask a question um, in between Doug's questions? Uh, what sort of, did you go through any intensive treatment? Oh, yeah, I, I did. I, I had almost eight months of chemotherapy every week for eight months. And I had a colon resection. They took 13 inches, inches of my colon out. And every time I would have to go for radiation and things like that, I was told your, your children cannot be around you. 
They cannot sit on your lap. They cannot be in the same house with you for 48 hours because they're growing. And wow. you, hear, you hear things like that. And it's like, oh, you can inject that stuff in me, but they, I can't be around my animals or my children. And so, Sheesh. yeah, so you're destroying my cancer, but in essence, aren't you giving me more cancer? So it was really terrifying. And even now, here it is 18 years later, and they want me to come in for scans and things like that, but they will come at me with radioactive, like big black gloves and, and you know, things over themselves to protect themselves from the stuff they're putting in me. And so I always tell them like, I don't know if I should keep doing this because you guys are afraid of what you're putting in me. And yet I'm supposed to keep letting you put that in me. I don't, I don't think so. So yeah, it's, I mean, my kids are grown now, but still, it still scares me. So. Wow. That's, um, yeah. 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 I've not heard that before. Like that's the first time hearing that, like, especially when someone tells you and I get it, you know, on one hand, this is going to hopefully, and it did kill the cancer, but on right. the other hand, yeah. you're a walking bomb sort of. Yeah. You know, don't go near your kids or your family. Like, wow. So I stopped, doing, I stopped doing pet scans about eight years ago. And people will say, well, aren't you afraid? I'm like, I'm more afraid of the stuff they want to put in me to do the scan. Mm. Um, I feel great. I feel fine. So, yeah. Is it's there any other scans that you can have to keep a check on the, on the, the, the bowels at all? Well, there's, there's a colonoscopy, which I do every five years. Okay. But what they always told me was my bowels were actually clean, except for one massive tumor. I didn't have polyps. I didn't have anything. I just had yeah. one massive tumor. So the chances of it coming back there are very small. They're, my liver and my lungs are the next place that they worry about. And the mm. only way you can find that is probably through a, a PET scan. Um, but I do regular blood tests as well. And there's your CEA yeah. levels and other levels that they look for. So, but wow. when I did find my cancer before all my blood work was perfect as well. So, mm. oh, that's such <laughs> good news. Traumatic, but I mean, yeah. Bad just news, good news. I hate to butt in, but I just have a quick question to ask, yeah, which is, uh, uh, when you were diagnosed with cancer, did anything come to your mind like, why me? Or did you get mad at the world for it happening? Like, why did this happen to me? Yes, everyone does that. Everyone goes through that. And of course I did. There I was with two little ones at home. And I didn't drink. I didn't smoke. I didn't do anything wrong. You know, I exercised. I ate well. Of course. Why me? Why me? And I'm a health and wellness nurse. That's what I do every day. And of course you go through the why me's it's not fair. You know, I would drive by people in my car. I'd look over and they'd be smoking, eating Cheetos, eating burgers. And you do that. Yeah, you right. All of that. And you know what? I, it's so funny that you say that because we all go through that bartering thing with ourselves. And then mm. one day it came to me and I thought if I could carry my cancer around in my hand, and then throw it onto someone else, knowing that it would come off of me and go onto them. If I had that power, what a horrible power to have. Who am I to decide who, right? And once mm -hmm. I came to that heavy reality, I don't want that 
power. So the why me answer went away because why should it be anyone? Mm. Right? So now what happens, and this two days ago, a friend of mine who's 43 years old, who just had her first grandbaby, died of colon cancer. And she only had it for four years. So instead of the why me, now I live with the why not me. Now yeah. I live with what they call a survivor's guilt. And it's pretty heavy also because I do the opposite of why them and not me? Why, why do I get to live and they had to die? And believe mm-hmm. me, I'm grateful. I'm, I'm so blessed and I am so grateful. But you get that feeling sometimes too. Yeah, it's tough, eh? Like just what we, like Doug said in that great question he asked is, you know, I'm pretty sure we all go through all these things all day, but, you know, main, the main purpose of the, or no, the full purpose of these um, interviews we do with so many wonderful people is sharing sharing tough stories. And um, like you just shared that you've had the loss of a friend, yeah, you know? Yeah, a lot, um, actually. And it's like, wow, you're just too many whys. Too many whys, isn't there? You know, like why this and what if? It's just this, they're unanswerable, actually, some most they of the are, time, aren't they? They're unanswerable because basically when I was told, I I there I was told to make arrangements. Like the guy didn't even blink. He was just like, Well, you better start making arrangements. And I was like, Well, what? Wow. And what do you even say to that? Like, and so of course yeah. I you had my, you interviewed me. So you know what my answer was. And my answer was, well, I plan to, I'm going to make college graduation and wedding and high school graduation. And the guy didn't know what to say to me because I was so, I'll tell you what kind of arrangements I'm going to make. Right. You're not hearing what I'm saying. And I'm like, no, you're not hearing what I'm saying. And so I think attitude is so powerful. You just have to decide, but then, you know, you come a point where when there's, you know, 24 tumors in your liver like this girl that just died a couple of days ago i'm sure her attitude was as positive as mine but what can you do yeah and you know something you brought up then and god bless all the doctors for what they do but uh, and i'm not speaking for a doctor it's only my view and i could be totally wrong so i don't want to offend anyone but they seem to come across hard, but I guess they're dealing with this every day, every, every day. day. So every day. they can't come in and, and try to be, hey, look, they just have to come in and say what they've got to say. And I guess they get very similar answers back, but they don't get your answer back very many times. And that's probably why it sort of shocks them, you know? Yeah, they, they don't get my answer. They usually get people that just start crying and roll over, yeah. and, you know, which, but he, yeah, I mean, but then my second doctor after that guy was gone, because I fired him, <laughs> yeah. he was a lot more positive. And he said, well, we're going to do everything we can do. And I'm like, well, good. That's what I want to mm-hmm. hear. 